the largest outdoor museum in the world. I'm Chris Mikowski, and today on the Emerging Civil War podcast, we're hitting the Civil War trails with Drew Gruber. Today on the Emerging Civil War podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to give you a heads up that it is books galore for Emerging Civil War this spring. So if you're looking for good reading, we have got you covered. Four new books in the Emerging Civil War series of paperbacks coming out. The much-anticipated To Hell or Richmond, the 1862 Peninsula Campaign by Doug Crenshaw and Drew Gruber. They Came Only to Die, The Battle of Nashville by Sean Michael Chick. Man of Fire, William T. Sherman in the Civil War by Derek Maxfield, and John Brown's Raid, Harper's Ferry and the Coming of the Civil War by John Eric Gillot and Kevin Pollack. Plus, we have hardcovers coming out in our Emerging Civil War 10th Anniversary series. Look for Civil War on the Water and Fallen Leaders, both of which will be out this spring. Thanks to our friends at Savas Beatty, the publishers of the Emerging Civil War series, you can find out details Details about these releases at SavasBeatty.com or, of course, follow along at EmergingCivilWar.com. Welcome to the Emerging Civil War podcast. I'm Chris Mikowski, and joining me from the dark depths of Williamsburg, Virginia. It's one of my absolute favorite people in the whole Civil War community, Drew Gruber, Executive Director of Civil War Trails. Drew, how you doing, pal? Doing well. Hello, friends, and thanks for having me, Chris. Oh, so super glad to have you. And, and, you know, I'll tell my listeners and viewers, you know, as one of my absolute favorite people to talk to, uh, just before we started, Drew and I, you know, you just make my day better when I talk to you. You know, it's this mutual admiration society. So I'm delighted to have you with us today, pal. Likewise, and, and my day is always heightened when you call, um, <laughs> mostly because whenever we talk, I'm on the road somewhere, usually between the pine lands of Virginia and North Carolina, and I could really use some company, but it's not just that. I always enjoy talking with you, Chris. So you've got, uh, you know, when you talk about being on the road, you have a lot of territory to cover. Um, tell me what it's like to be a road dog like that as you're putting out new signs. Uh, to be a road dog. Um, well, Sirius XM radio does repeat music. Uh, come to find out um, between the hours of 11 a.m. and 3 a.m., you'll find that they play the same things. Um, so satellite radio isn't all that it's worth to be. But no, um, being on the road is great, especially when you have good coworkers like I do, um, good podcasts like this one to get you through those miles one after another after another. But um, the best way I can sort of, uh, I guess, uh, illustrate what my life is like is no one day is like the one before or the one that will come after it. There's always something new. It's always something to laugh at. There's always something to give you levity. It's it's uh, keeps you on your toes, but in a good way. So, how many states does Civil War Trails cover these days? We are expanding into our sixth state now, which is Pennsylvania. Um, I have my sights set on Kentucky, um, but I don't know if, if they'll uh, if they'll allow us to invade a third time. Um, we'll see. But yeah, we cover six states now. So, as I talked to you this morning, we're somewhere just over fourteen hundred sites expanding into our sixth state, which I think gives me a radius of uh, somewhere just over 200,000 square miles to cover. And we have somewhere north of uh, 850 partners across all six states. So it's a lot of territory to cover. Um, but thankfully, due to you know many of your listeners, uh, many of your readers, 
we have uh, eyes and ears all over the territory letting us know when signs are starting to age out or when research needs to be uh, applied to the signs to be updated. So we have a, a whole host of uh, volunteers out there to help help keep us going. Now, I want to talk specifically about a new project that you guys have coming up. But before before I shift into that, I want to just touch base there on, on what you said about you've got all these extra eyes and volunteers, you know, kind of keeping touch on the signs themselves. Um, how can people get involved with Civil War Trails? Oh, great question. And I'm glad you asked. So we are grown at the grassroots. Uh, it is it is organic. <laughs> um, so every single Civil War Trails sign that you will read has been sort of born and grown at that grassroots level. Um, so we, we do not go around with ideas on where the signs should go or what they should say uh, in a really sort of humbling way. Communities come to us. Um, one of our latest projects down in Goldsboro, North Carolina, descendants of the 135th United States Colored Troops, um, you know, reached out to us as they were researching their regiment and we were able to work with them to put their sign in the ground. So. If you um, if you've not already had a hand in researching or writing a Civil War trail sign, you you can, and we wholly encourage you to. Um, so if you're researching a specific regiment and they fought at the Battle of Kessler's Crosslanes in West Virginia, and you have a photo of somebody who was there, share it with us. Um, if you have a diary entry from somebody who who was at a specific camp or battle where you know there's a Civil War trail sign, chances are we we don't know about that, and we would love to consider including that content on the sign. So this is. I mean, this is a crowdsourced program, Chris. Not only do we have people from all walks of life, uh, um, all different facets of government involved uh, financially with the program, but we we love when people get involved with sharing their research, sharing um, their photographs with us, um, sometimes correcting the signs, which is amazing. Um, and then we absolutely love when people send us an email when a sign is either confusing or starting to age out. So that information for us is huge. When somebody says, hey, you know, I was in Hawkins County, Tennessee, the sign's starting to age a little bit, check it out. And that's really important for us. It gives us an idea as to what these things are looking like and how to schedule to go fix them or or, or update them. And then um, probably the easiest and, and most exciting way to get involved is when you're on the Civil War trails, driving around and you see a Civil War trails sign, snap a sign selfie. The people who sponsor these sites love to see people engaging with them. So if you snap a sign selfie and you post it to any of the socials with hashtag Civil War Trails, it will go a long way to encouraging our donors and sponsors to, to keep the program going. So a couple ways you can get involved, some more intense than others. But yeah, don't be a stranger. And, and you know, I want to tee you up for what is my favorite line about Civil War Trails being the, the size of the outdoor museum. Uh, it, it is the world's largest open air museum. I love that expression and, and, and that characterization because because it really does speak to the interactivity that people can then put their feet on the ground, engage in the sign, see the history, appreciate it, and then choose their experience as they go from sign to sign, which to me is brilliant. Yeah. And to be honest with you, when we do get um, complaints about the signs, that idea of standing in the footsteps is really what's lacking. So Every once in a while, we'll get somebody who goes to a sign and they'll write us and be like, hey, you know, I was at this sign in, uh, you know, outside of Kinston, North Carolina, and I was kind of confused, like where, you know, where did the 9th New Jersey charge in from? I'm like, ah, okay, so I got to write that down and say that next time we're down there, we need to update the map or use some language that says, you know, charging towards you or some something like that. So again, this is, the program is only able to function because we have people who are visiting the signs and letting us know and letting our sponsors know. 
And the program is heightened by involvement from, from people who are you know, proper historians, avocational historians, and folks who just love the topic, um, and who get engaged in letting us know if the signs can be you know, improved or if the, the wayfinding or the maps are in error. So don't be a stranger. Now, that leads me into kind of the, our main topic of discussion today, because one of the ways that people can engage the signs is through a series of, of maps and brochures that Civil War Trails creates that kind of helps connect the dots in a thematic way or a geographic way. And you guys have a brand new map that is coming out. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, thank you. So this is uh, the map is called Civil War in Coastal Virginia. Um, not the most inspiring title, I will say, um, but the the new brochure, Civil War in Coastal Virginia, replaces a brochure that we've had in the market for almost 20 years now. And that brochure was called the 1862 Peninsula Campaign. Um, and the whole goal of the brochures is for people at home who want to plan a trip uh, to get the brochure and to say, okay, you know, there's X amount of sites in this area that I'm going to be going to. I know that I can probably logically go to four or five of those, you know, on this visit. Or for people who are already in these regions to pick up the brochure and figure out how to get to the next site. Um, the downside of the 1862 Peninsula Campaign brochure is that there is a ton of stuff that happens in coastal Virginia that's not just related to the spring of 1862. Um, so, for example, we have the Siege of Suffolk. For our Gettysburg nerds, they'll know all about that. Of course, there are stories of the United States colored troops, emancipation, like the Emancipation Oak, which might actually be my favorite Civil War Trails site across the whole program, although I'm not supposed to have favorites, I guess. Um, and then a whole series of operations, uh, amphibious operations that take place in and around uh, uh, the region before and after 1862. So when we started thinking about the 1862 Peninsula Campaign map, we realized that, you know, there were about two dozen sites dedicated to it, and there were 60 sites in the region total. So what we did is we took the 1862 Peninsula campaign, we made it a highlighted driving tour on the new piece, and then we um, gave it its own um, its own sort of uh, contextual block of text. Um, and you know, if you think about our visitor, the vast majority of the folks listening to this podcast already know about the Peninsula campaign. So I. I can only tell them so much that they don't already know on a piece. Their goal is to figure out how to get to these sites, which this map does. Right. And for all of the other users of Civil War Trails who may not know about the Siege of Suffolk or about the Emancipation Oak uh, or folks like Peter Jacob Carter, this map is going to introduce them to these characters, these stories, these sites for people who a, might not be interested in Civil War or may not know about these specific facets of the Civil War. So we're really excited about the brochure. It should uh, with some minor updates, maybe stand the test of time for another two decades. So, One of the things, too, that I really like about the the maps in particular as a resource is like, you know, perhaps I know about the 1862 Peninsula Campaign, but I'm always looking for something new to discover along the way. And so with all these other sites that are dotted along the trail with, with, with Civil War trail signs, like here's something I wasn't expecting that's a cool discovery that gives me something new to learn about. And to me, that's so exciting, you know, to go beyond the story I think I know. Yeah. And in fact, I was I was talking to a reporter yesterday and she was, oh, well, you know, I'm not really interested in the Civil War, but uh, my father-in-law is coming to town and he'll like this new map. And I said, uh, hey, did you know that there were a series of photos taken in downtown Yorktown on the beach and you can recreate them with your phone? And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, on the back of our map, 
it tells you about photography in the Civil War and gives you what you need to line up these photos in Yorktown Beach. And she said, man, that's kind of cool. So, you know, even for folks like you who are looking for something outside of the Peninsula campaign, we're going to be able to, to uh, reach out and I think inspire all these other maybe non-history visitors to think about how these things could be interactive. Um, we have a couple pending sites that will come to fruition thanks to this map, uh, including the Maple Leaf Escape uh, on False Cape State Park, which is going to be really interesting. Um, again, I mentioned the, the story of Peter Jacob Carter over on Cape Charles. There's some new signs coming about the siege of Suffolk for you Gettysburg nerds. If you don't know Suffolk, tisk tisk, you should. Um, <laughs> so all sorts of exciting things happening. And, um, you know, it's interesting to me, though, Chris, as our audience grows in size and they get younger, they are returning to paper wayfinding pieces. Um, Civil War trails tinkered with apps decades ago at this point um, and have slowly retired them. Uh, although we're talking on a podcast today, which people are going to download and listen to as they drive, um, there's sort of this really fine balance, I think, with travelers about digital fatigue and digital detox and traveling with something tangible like a piece of paper you can take with you. So um, we've seen no downturn in interest in brochures as our audience gets younger. So I'm excited to meet them where they are as we produce these new brochures and paper pieces. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I see so many different reasons for that, too, where you don't necessarily know what the signal is going to be at any one spot. So can you depend on the technology? You can certainly depend on the technology of a piece of paper. Um, but also, like, I'm out here to, to get unplugged, to enjoy fresh air, to go see things. I don't want to be plugged in. And so Mm -hmm. The desire to get away from devices is really important. Um, and then, you know, the, the other thing that I think is really useful is that, you know, you've got that brochure and, you know, got all these little red dots that show things that maybe you wouldn't have seen if you were just following in an app, but you've got it all in front of you and wait, what's this? Let me go discover that or explore this. And so, you know, I really think the brochures do an especially good job at unlocking that process of discovery. Yeah. And that's, that is the one thing I tell travelers about Civil War Trails is, okay, if you're coming to a region, let's just say Hampton Roads in coastal Virginia, and you know you're going to spend five days, only build yourself an itinerary for three. Because what we want is when you arrive at these sites, we want you to get out of the car and walk the trail. We want you to get out of the car and go into the museum and be enthralled with those spaces, those stories, those people, those artifacts, those objects. And, and we kind of want to distract you from your itinerary. We, we, we want you to disengage from your phone. We want you to look up. We want you to spend that extra time. And this happens to our staff all the time as we travel following Civil War trails to fix and update the signs is that, you know, we'll be cruising down a road and all of a sudden we'll see a guy on the side of the road with a smoker going at a 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, that's going to be some of the best barbecue you're ever going to have, regardless of the time. So there's two things I tell people about following Civil War trails. Always give yourself extra time to get lost in the stories and the sites and always carry cash. <laughs> um, and those are the two most important things. But yeah, I think dovetailing off this idea of the brochure is sort of allowing you to more organically engage than something digitally prescribed to do this, 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 and this. The same thing is true as you travel from these sites to sites. Some of them you, you're going to have to find. The map's only going to get you so close, and that's a cool adventure. But then while you're there, you're going to see remnants of earthworks. You're going to see local museums. If you like antiques, record shops, bookstores, you're going to find all these things as you, as you follow Civil War trails. And I always tell people, it's like, don't, don't hold yourself to a prescribed timeline when you travel so that you can experience all these things. So 
you know, on this brochure, for example, not only did we highlight the photographs that you can recreate, um, but we highlighted a place called Ironclad Distillery, um, which is located with an eye shot of where the where the Cumberland was sunk by the Virginia. And, um, you know, that's a place where the brand Ironclad rings true with our visitors. But while you're there, you're going to meet, you know, Kara and Owen, you might want to take a tour. Um, you might want to just hang out there for a little while and catch some live tunes before you say pop up to the Mariners Museum. So I always tell people, you know, don't don't pigeonhole yourself, um, you know, too far with traveling or itinerary when you follow Civil War trails and always carry cash. The best books, the best smoked meats, all those things will be found along the trail, too. So and and I think one of the common misperceptions people have about Civil War trails is we're going to pull over and we're going to read this sign. But, you know, as you're just describing this, you know, you're really talking about an experience like the sign is sort of an introduction to a site. And there are ways to engage with that site that are beyond just the sign as the introduction. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it was. Uh, oh, man, maybe when I was an undergrad, but uh, John Hennessy told me he said that the signs should be the caption for the landscape. It's always stuck with me. And we've really taken that as a mantra. The signs should fuel your imagination, right? They should, they should fire your brain to think about, you know, what, what, what did the scene look like? If you're standing in downtown Portsmouth, you have to reconstruct that in your head. You know, how did this person feel? What it, the sign should make you look, look up and, and sort of have this visceral innate reaction to it. And, and that's the purpose of the sign, right, is to not be a data dump, again, to, to sort of balance how much story do we tell them versus how much inspiration do we give them, because, um, of course, everybody's carrying a phone with them, so they could easily Google additional things, too. But then when you arrive at each site, it should inspire you to want to know more, to pick up a book, to walk into the local museum, to, to get out of your car and, and walk around and see if you can't find more landmarks associated with that, that site and that story. Um, but yeah, it's not just this... Uh, you know, three, no, 2D anatomic, you know, aluminum and acrylic object on the side of the road. It, it, it takes on a life of its own. Um, and that, that life is unique to every single visitor and, and their perspective. Um, we have some signs that are getting crazier and crazier. There's one in the middle of the Potomac river. Oh, you have to, okay. you have to figure out how to get there. Um, so, you know, that's, that unto itself is a challenge. We have some other signs that are along the Appalachian trail that you have to hike to get up to. So there's, there's in some instances, um, adventure to get to the trail sign, but then the trail sign itself should extend that trip for you should, should inspire you to want to know more. And that's why I always say, give yourself some extra room in your time budget. Um, but yeah, kick around, explore, and, um, you'll tend to find, when you show up at a Civil War trail sign, that if the person who wrote the sign or was part of the unveiling or the installation is around, they will likely pop out and start talking to you. <laughs> and those are exactly the people you want to ask them where you should stay and where you should eat too, by the way. So, so well, and that kind of ties into another um, fun experience I usually have, you know, sometimes you pull over and, and you're out in the middle of nowhere in the woods, but sometimes like I'm at a winery, I'm at a restaurant, I'm at a museum. Those are really important partnerships too. Um, talk a little bit about that and how you work with uh, institutions like that to kind of help tell your story. Yeah, so I think for the vast majority of your listeners and for the emerging Civil War readers out there, you'll recognize the trail signs as, as for lack of a better phrase, being an educational resource, right? That, that exhibit label for the landscape that makes the open air museum be a museum. Um, when you travel, though, um, you are spending money. 
So you are going to stop at the local bookshop. Uh, you're going to eat, at least gas up your car, uh, maybe consume a podcast or two as you go. Um, so for, for our board and for our directors, they don't necessarily view the program as sort of being educational, but as an economic development tool. And a lot of these really rural areas, Civil War Trails is the only tourism amenity there. And even if it's like a top Sitlington's Hill outside of McDowell, um, you have to want to get there. You're going to purchase food, fuel, drink while you come or go. And, and that is that is part of that community's economic development profile. I know it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it really makes a huge impact for the people who work at, you know, the local wineries, the local restaurants, um, the local bed and breakfast lodges, especially if there's a resurgence in motor lodges and country stores right now, yeah. thanks to rural travel and COVID. Um, but yeah, a lot of our newer sites are wineries, breweries, distilleries, um, because they're being established at historic sites that likely had a Civil War story, of course, to qualify for the program. But they they want to tap into our market. They they realize that we travel and we like to spend some cash when we travel. And they want to attract us to their wineries, um, specifically thinking about Wilderness One, right? wilderness run winery not too far from you all so they want to join the program not just as a way to um tell and heighten or curate their civil war story but also as a way to attract our audience um and those are the types of partners that that we really love to work with um because they tend to think outside of the mold when it comes to how you sort of package or build a civil war itinerary for travelers so it's a it's a lot of fun to work with people who aren't just a museum or nonprofit institution because they think about us and how we deliver stories in a different way than we do. I always, when I'm out traveling, uh, you know, try to find a restaurant that's got a sign, you know, like the signs bring me to places and that's where I'll have lunch. And, you know, it's kind of one of my ways that I try to support the trails program. And then I'll tell someone, you know, like I'm here because of the sign you guys had out front and that's what brought me to, to your place. And Hey, thanks for a great lunch. Um, because, you know, I'm sure that the financial support of those groups is really important in helping sustain the civil war trails program. It, yeah, it is. So, I mean, whenever you eat at a local restaurant, um, there, of course, is always sort of a meals tax or a sales tax associated with it. Whenever you stay at a hotel, motel, B&B, there's this little thing called transient occupancy tax. And those taxes tend to go back and help fund tourism. And although the, the cost to sponsor a trail sign is relatively low, 200 bucks a sign, um, you know, every time you eat at a restaurant, that that meal or sales tax that you're bringing into the community goes towards helping bring other people in and then defrays the taxes that those locals have to pay. Um, so it's it's sort of part of this beautiful little economic ecosystem. But your idea of of thanking the people who were there, tipping well, by the way, yes. and, um, and also letting them know you're there because of Civil War Trails is huge. And every once in a while, I'll hear from a hotel, um, hey, can we get some of your maps? We saw a traveler come in with one of your brochures and we didn't have them on stock. Or we'll hear from a restaurateur who will say, we saw a group of people sitting in the corner who had a bunch of your maps. Tell us more about your program. Um, so letting people know that you're you're traveling for Civil War Trails is huge because they are, they are part of that economy too. So thanks for that, Chris. That's a great idea. So uh, aside from the new brochure you have for Coastal Virginia, what other maps do you guys have available for travelers? We just rolled out the On to Richmond map. Uh, which was conceived a couple of years ago, actually, a uh, big conversation at uh, Stevenson's Ridge. Yeah. Um, the On to Richmond map um, replaces the old Lee versus Grant map. Um, 
the reason for the name change uh, was because in central Virginia, as you know, and as your listeners probably know, of course, it's not just the overland campaign, but we have vestiges of the peninsula campaign and, you know, Bermuda hundred and other things that are going to happen as well. Um, so we sort of changed the narrative of that one to on to Richmond. So we could talk about things also like Trevelyan station. So that brochure is new uh, out and already doing good work. Uh, we have a survey in the field right now to revamp the Virginia Civil War Trails piece and give people sort of a, a fresh up-to-date set of inset maps and everything like that. That'll be fun. Um, but I think, I think as I talk to you here this morning, just as we enter into March, um, we have processed somewhere over 100 uh, sign projects already this year. Um, and I want to say we're close to almost three dozen applications for new Civil War Trail sites across the nation. So not only are we pumping out new brochures in Virginia, West Virginia, and Tennessee, um, but we have all sorts of sign revamps coming up and new sign applications coming up too. So it'll be a busy year for us. Uh, so we'll, of course, keep sharing the press releases with you. Uh, we'll keep posting stuff on our social media as we're able. Uh, it's hard to do when you're covered in mud digging holes, but uh, we'll keep everybody posted. Now, this sounds to me like uh, you're not having any problem with people being interested in the Civil War. The program continues to grow and refresh <laughs> and update. Uh, you know, what What about the quote unquote conventional wisdom that people aren't interested in the Civil War anymore? Poppycock. Boulder dash. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't don't let anybody tell you the Civil War is not popular. Um it, please don't. Um, I am shocked at how much this program has grown since the Susquecentennial ended in 2015. In fact, I was hired at that time because the Board of Directors of Civil War Trails and the state travel offices sort of said, okay, we've done the Civil War. It's, it was a big anniversary. Everything's going to calm down with the Civil War. And, and all you did, you people out there who were involved in the Susquecentennial, was fire everyone up. Um, to the point where, as I mentioned, we're, we're growing into a sixth state, which joined in the midst of COVID. Um, we have, again, cleared over 100 sign projects this year already. I think we did 111 last year total. Um, we continue to be reached out to by stakeholder groups of all walks of life, interests, ages, and backgrounds um, who want to humbly add their stories to this program. Um, and our average audience not only in increases in size every year, but is also getting younger. And from a travel tourism perspective, they're also growing more diverse. Um, so for example, uh, early next month, I'll be joining Jewish congregations in and around Charleston, West Virginia to unveil their new sign about a Passover service that happens under the command of Rutherford B. Hayes uh, in the winter of 1862 in the wilds of West Virginia. So every time I feel like I've got a grasp on just what happened in the Civil War, we get an email from somebody who's like, how about this story? Um, and it blows my mind. Um, and those sometimes come from the stakeholders, like the congregations I mentioned in Charleston. Other times they'll come from visitors who will say, hey, I was at this sign. Did you know about this engagement over here? Do you need somebody to help put a sign together for that one? Um, and it's constant um, to the point where we are often overwhelmed with the volume of interest, not just from visitors, but from people who want to join the program. And um, we are constantly, um, you know, not to overuse the word, humbled by um, the municipal tourism offices who want to participate financially, who want to lift up these stories. Um, it, it, yeah, there, there is no lack of interest in America's Civil War stories because of just the sheer diversity of stories that are out there. 
Um, so the program is growing, it's healthy, it's viable, and um, it, there's more work than our team can handle to the point where we've just brought on somebody to help us just respond to visitor inquiries for brochures. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, well, I think the work that you guys do is tremendous and uh, in, in so many different ways. And, you know, what a, what a real gift it is to, to give to somebody to allow them to engage in the story of the Civil War in a way that's meaningful to them on their own terms and to explore and discover. And, uh, you know, to me, that's what Civil War Trails is all about. So I thank you for your work. Well, thank you. And I, I have to equally thank your listeners, your readers. Um, the team at Savas Beatty, um, everyone who who promotes, publishes about, snaps signs, selfies at, or participates in the editing and writing of these, they make this experience possible for everyone. Um, so again, we're we're really sort of moved by that sort of crowdsourced or democratized nature of the program. So again, I'll say, don't be a stranger. Reach out to us. Very good, Drew Gruber. Thanks so much for taking some time today to explore the Civil War trails. Thank you, Chris, for having me. So thanks so much for being with us today. We will see you online and on the battlefield. And before we wrap up, quick thank you to our engineer, Jackson Mikowski, for all of his work behind the scenes. Thanks also to Sarah K. Byerly and Edward Alexander for their work behind the scenes, too. Thanks to the Second South Carolina String Band for providing our theme music for us. You can find them on Facebook and on YouTube. Search for Second South Carolina String Band. And don't forget to join us online at EmergingCivilWar.com. More than 30 historians presenting free content every day. Spread the gospel of the Civil War, and we want to help you stay connected with that compelling story. So join us at EmergingCivilWar.com. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, please like, please share. We'd like your help spreading the gospel of the Emerging Civil War podcast. So you can do that by sharing the word. Thanks again to our guest today, Drew Gruber. On behalf of all of my colleagues at Emerging Civil War, I'm Chris Mikowski. Thanks so much for being with us on the Emerging Civil War podcast. We'll see you online and on the battlefield.